0: I think you get the point. Christmas time is a season where people are much more open open than normal to attending church. So we uh, specifically make these Christmas concerts as such that somebody on the outside would be a little bit more inclined to come. So please invite somebody. Uh, We're starting a day early Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. There's concerts on because, again, there's people who might attend on a Tuesday night uh, that might not come out on Christmas Eve. So again, I hope that you'll do that and we're going to trust God to reveal himself to some people. Well, this is the Christmas week, so I'm going to share a message with you. This uh, scripture that you see in front of you is what we call the Christmas prophecy, probably the most famous prophecy given, you know, hundreds of years before Christ. The prophet says this, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He shall be called Emmanuel, which means, let's say it together, God with us. Now, the entire premise of my message, and I really believe this, that if God is with us, that really does answer every question. It really does. It really does ultimately solve every problem. doesn't mean our life is going to be perfect, but it does mean, which the Bible tells us, that God is going to work all things together for our good. So God with us, that is our hope, that is our confidence. We're going to look at a person who undeniably... God was with. Start here with Mary. Gabriel is appearing to her. We know the story. Gabriel's an angel appearing to Mary to let her know that she's going to give birth to Christ, the Messiah. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings. Everybody say this. Say favored woman. Favored. Isn't, isn't that, you know, we all think of certain people that they were favored. And without question, Mary's favored, undeniably. But usually we don't think of ourselves. As favored, You know, Mary is, maybe Abraham, Isaac, but are we favored? Greetings, favored woman. And there we see it. The Lord is with you. I'll say it again. When God is with you, he's working things together for our good. That's what gives us peace. That's the reason we're going to have an awesome Christmas and a blessed new year is because God is with us, right? Here, let's do this. Let's track through Mary's life, somebody who undeniably the Lord is with and just simply uh, put her experiences in a couple of categories, because we would assume that if God is with you, pretty much everything is going to fit into this first category. And that is the, what, can you read that from there? That is the, everybody say awesome. If God is with us, everything is going to fit into the awesome category. Now we'll, there probably will be nothing that fits over here, but just in case we're going to create another category that sometimes we have, because we're not favored. All right. Can you read that? What's that? Bummer. bummer. Everybody say bummer. bummer. Do I need to define bummer for you or do we already understand bummer? Tom just corrected me. He said it's, he said it's bummer. <laughs> Forget me for saying bummer. Bummer. All right. We understand bummer, right? All right. Let's just track through her life. Somebody who God is with. And see which, and I'll. You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to vote on some of these because some of these are kind of on the fence. But how about let's start right here, the very first experience. An angel appears to you, announces to you that you're going to give birth to the savior of the world. Which category does that fit into? Awesome. Awesome. Of course, it's awesome, and of course, life is always awesome when the Lord is with you. All right, where does it go from here? Where does the story go? Well, the angel appears to her, and. obviously she is a virgin and the angel tells her the holy spirit is going to conceive this child and that's all good news and then you get the wonderful privilege of informing your fiance whom you've been slapping his hands a couple times to have him to wait you you get the privilege of informing him this good news joseph her fiance was a good man did not want to disgrace her publicly He decided to break the engagement quietly. When your fiancé finds out, ladies, you help me vote. Just women on this one. When you have to inform your fiancé that you're pregnant and it's not him, is that awesome or a bummer? That's a bummer? You sure? I mean, you know, this kind of because, I mean, ultimately God, I mean, the angel appears or gives Joseph a dream to explain the story. And, you know, he comes around, so maybe it's not too bad, but still, one more time, ladies, is this awesome or a bummer? Bummer. All right, she's. Gosh, I didn't think we were going to have anything over in the bummer category because, for heaven's sakes, God is with her. She's the favorite one. All right, where do we go from here? If you guys remember the story, the angel not only told her about her baby. If you remember the story, the angel told her that her cousin Elizabeth, who was much older than her, was also going to have a child who became John the Baptist, and Mary gets to go and spend three months. She's with Elizabeth upon this news. You know, they didn't have email, so she, Mary didn't even know that Elizabeth was pregnant. She just finds out from the angel, and she goes and spends three months with her awesome cousin. Let's read it. A few days later, Mary heard to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zachariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting. Elizabeth's child leaped within her. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth speaks by the Holy Spirit. Mary is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you get to spend three months with your awesome cousin till her baby is born. Which category does that fit in? Oh, that's what we're expecting for favored ones. One awesome experience after another. Now, that doesn't mean that you always want every cousin to spend three months with, (laughs) but... But three months with Elizabeth is okay, right? All right. So where do we go from here? Remember, the angel has appeared to Mary, said she's going to conceive, tells her about Elizabeth. What's next? It's time to have this baby, is it not? All right. So the next event in Mary's life is she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Christmas Day. Now, I have heard sermons... Some preachers, bless their darling heart, you know, it, It's every, life is the lens you look through, all right? And I've heard preachers try to make this sound. They really over amplify the fact that this was a barn and it was smelly, probably cold. There's no room for them in the inn. Mary's mad at Joseph because he didn't make reservations. He couldn't go on Priceline. What was wrong with him? You know, he didn't make reservations and... You know, there's animals trying to eat out of this manger, and it's all a very awful experience. Really? Let's just be honest. I mean, here's the truth. Uh, Regardless, uh, okay, it's a barn. All right, and let's be honest. it, It is entirely possible that a cow patty dropped in the wrong spot. That is entirely possible. Okay. But here's my experience. I have four children, and my experience is every birth of a child is a mildly traumatic experience. Is that not true? But at the end of that experience, when mom is okay and the baby's healthy, what do we we look back and we say, that was what? That's awesome. And if the scales are anywhere in the middle of, if you're not at awesome already, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, let's read this together, and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. All right. If if the birth was already not awesome enough, when angels come and celebrate the birth of your baby, which category is that in? All right. Obviously, this is the awesome category. This is what we're expecting for favored people. When God is with you, life is awesome. We'll probably, you know, one minor bummer. We'll probably never have another one. All right. Where do we go from here? If you remember the story, after this event at eight days of age, every Jewish boy was circumcised. This is actually a party uh, for the Jewish people. They call it Brit Malah, that at eight days of age, uh, the the boy is circumcised, and they make a big party of it, all right? So obviously, this is going to be awesome, but how many know there's always that one guy you don't want to invite to the party, right? There's always one guy, And at the temple, they're bringing, Christ is there to be circumcised. By the way, it's never really a a huge party for the child, but nonetheless, for whatever reason, I just distinctly remember, um, uh, I was with, for whatever reason, I wasn't with David when he was circumcised, but went with Brian and Luke. And for whatever reason, I distinctly remember Luke having a wildly traumatic experience. He He did not enjoy this at all, but nonetheless, let's move on. The Brit Malaw was not his party. All right. Brian was just, whatever, just get it over, get it over with. But Luke screamed to high heaven. All right. <laughs> All right. At the party, you guys remember the story? A prophet shows up and crashes their Brit Malaw the with, with this message. Then Simeon blessed them. He said to Mary... This is the next time she shows up, the baby's mother. The child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. There's a few more things he says, but not, not, not very much. And then he ends with this, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Wow, a, a prophet, somebody that's recognized at the temple as this man speaks for God. And uh, mothers, let me ask you when, you, when you hear from somebody that you really trust to be speaking from God, that a sword is going to pierce your soul, did they just turn your Brit Malaw? Is it still awesome or is it a bummer now? Really? I mean, it's still, it's still your boy's party, right? Right? I'll let you vote one more time. Is this, is this awesome or is this a bummer? Bummer, all right. We're going to stick with bummer. Gosh, I didn't think we were going to add another one to the bummer category. But yeah, you know, I got to admit that if I were to get that news, well, don't you think you'd be wondering, okay, what is it? What 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 is this sword that's going to pierce my soul? What's going to be so hard? Aren't you like this when somebody has bad news? Especially, you can tell they kind of initiate a conversation, and you can tell that they're getting to something that they have some news, and and they're kind of you know beating around the bush. Don't you want to kind of like, okay okay what is it what is it get to it? I want to hear I want to hear the bad news right? What is it? Well, luckily for Mary, she didn't have to wait uh, very long. At this next event, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. They had to run, flee for their lives to Egypt, which is a foreign country with a foreign language. The closest thing we could have to this, now it obviously it would be a lot longer trip for us, but what if you found out that because somebody wants to kill your child, you have to get up and leave for Mexico today? Is that good news? All right. So you got to leave for Egypt. Is this awesome or is this a bummer? Hmm. All right. We're tying, we're, we're evening this up here. Evening this up. We've got another bummer going on. All right. Um, but before we move on, we kind of skipped one here. Uh, this news was on the heels of, Remember, say, the wise men. You guys remember that story, right? The wise men showing up, and again, I've heard preachers looking, you know, looking through their negative filter, tried to make the wise men out to sound you know, out to sound bad, or, or, or out to sound like they delivered a bummer of a message, because here's, here was the message I heard. You realize that one of the wise men brought myrrh, which was used for embalming, and they made it sound really heavy, like they, they were coming as an omen of Jesus' death. Okay, really? So they made it, So I'm supposed to believe that one of the wise men was like the undertaker? Is that what I'm supposed to think? Friends, they're about to head to Egypt where myrrh was amazingly valuable. Here's the bottom line, gang. When somebody shows up at your door and drops off some gold, is that awesome or is that a bummer? That's awesome, right? Man, we don't even need to wonder about that one. And there is, but I understand. There's a lot of questions and debates about... For, us, for one thing, we're not 100% sure there's... Three of them. The Bible doesn't specifically say they're three. There's a lot of debates about these guys. But here at Life Church, we've, we, it's very clear to us, it's really clear there's three of them. They came on camels, they wore nice Christmas sweaters, and they all smoked cigars, right? Some of you are wondering about that last one. Now, I got to admit, the one thing that has surprised me about this weekend is very few people know my song. I thought this was one of those universal Christmas songs that all young boys know. Very few have known this one. We three kings of Orient are smoking on a rubber cigar. It was loaded and exploded. That's why we traveled so far. How many guys know that one? How many know that one? Raise your hand if you know that. Come on. Help me out. Raise your hand if you have heard that before. Three people in this audience. And... <laughs> And each of the people that I've spoken to afterwards that knew it, they, they thought everybody knew it too. they like, yeah, I, thought, every, I thought, thought it was like a Christmas carol. Uh, apparently not. So the cigar part might not be real, all right? But nonetheless, hey, this is good news. This is awesome. God, is, God knows what's going to happen. So he's you know, giving them these gifts to prepare. God is making a way. Even in our tough times, even in our bummers, God's making a way. So that's good news, right? All right, where do we go from here? Where's the next story? Well, the next time that Mary shows up... Now, by the way, we don't... Nobody can't prove exactly how long they had to stay in Egypt, but we do know it's somewhere between 2 and 11 years, all right? The the most common best guesses are around 5 years, again, in a foreign la- foreign land with a foreign language. But they come back, and the next time they show up, the next time Mary shows up, Jesus is... Growing up, he's 12 years old now. You guys remember the story? He's 12 years old in Jerusalem at the Sabbath where there would have been, uh, I'm sorry, not the Sabbath. I'm losing my words here. But at at the Passover celebration. There we go, at the Passover. So Jerusalem would have just been mobbed with people. In case you don't know this, I mean, we know that now Jerusalem is a site where there are some enemies and some terrorists occasionally. Friends, Jerusalem has never had a time in its history where they haven't had their enemies. Jerusalem has never been the safest place on planet Earth. Okay, uh, even for us. But how about how would you feel if for three days you lost your child? Anybody lost your child for three minutes or thirty minutes? Like at the mall? I mean, forget Jerusalem. We're at the mall. Thirty minutes. We lost. I lost Luke that one time, and that was pretty traumatic for thirty minutes. Just be honest. Think through this. Put yourself in a position. They've lost Jesus for three days. Three days in Jerusalem. Do you think Mary, at any time during those three days, threw up a prayer like, God, hello, you remember me? I'm the favored one. I'm the favored one. Remember the news. You're with me. Now, God, we're all your kids, but this one is like especially yours. And he's gone. Hello, God, this does not happen to favored ones. This is not how this is supposed to roll. There's no, there's no way around it. And if you think that I'm just you know, adding to her concern, and she just really was as calm, and oh, this is Jesus, everything's fine. This is Mary responding, or them responding to her. Uh, his parents didn't know what to think. This is after they found Christ, found Jesus. Son, his mother said, why have you done this to us? Your father and I, everybody say, fr- everybody say frantic. Your father and I have been frantic, do you suppose? Yeah, frantic, searching for you everywhere. All right, mothers only get to vote on this one. You've lost your child for three days. Bummer or awesome? You sure? Even though you find him and he happens to be with teachers and he's okay, which category is it in? Bummer. All right, we're evening it up. Gosh, I thought she was favored. I thought God was with her bummer experiences. All right, where do we go from here? All right, well, the next time Mary shows up is it's time for Jesus to begin his public ministry. I don't know about you, when I read the story of Jesus turning the water to wine, when you read it, you know, there's all sorts of different theories as to what was happening here with Mary, but as I read it, um, I don't over-spiritualize it. To me, this just sounds like a mother. I mean, doesn't every boy need a little nudge from the nest occasionally? And as you read this next story, Jesus is about to begin his public ministry. Jesus' mother said to him, they're at a wedding feast, they have no more wine. Jesus responds, dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Jesus basically says, not now. Mary completely ignores him. She turns to the other. She's not talking to Jesus now. She turns to the servants and just says, do whatever he says. And then they look at Jesus. And Jesus looks at them. His mother has just set him up, <laughs> saying, okay, Jesus, it's time. Now, obviously, obviously, we know that Mary did not force Jesus, you know, he, she didn't force his hand, she didn't force him out of the will of God, obviously, but there's no way around it that mother's doing a little bit of nudging here, right? Now, how about this, how about this one, Ladies? You get, your, you get your boy started on his mission in life and you get a whole bunch of free wine in the process. Which category does this fit in? Is this awesome or a bummer? This is totally awesome. You get to celebrate at a wedding. This is, all right, we know what's gonna win here. It's gonna be awesomeville from here on out. Now, interestingly enough, this is the first occasion where we see uh, Mary mentioned, uh, Jesus mentioned, and Joseph uh, not being mentioned, but we'll just move on from there. All right, the next time Jesus, or Mary rather, shows up, she is mentioned one time during the three year ministry of Jesus. We don't know exactly uh, how far into his ministry, but she's, she shows up one time. She gets mentioned another time, and we'll show that in a second, but she shows up one other time. And do you remember what the event was? She showed up. Well, because she was a little bit concerned. Now, I I guess her name isn't in the verse I'm showing, but a few verses down, the Bible makes perfectly clear that this was Mary and the other brothers or the other family that came. And here it is. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, Jesus, for they said, everybody read this aloud, he is out of his mind. You remember that in the Bible? That is an interesting little scenario. Um, he's out of his mind. Obviously, Mary, uh, the family, now again, Joseph is not mentioned. The others are specifically mentioned, and and Joseph is not. Um, But they think he's out of his mind. Now, before I even go any farther, I'm going to do my best to explain this as I understand it. But before we even understand it, um, probably every parent has had at least one moment where you're wondering... Has Junior lost it? <laughs> What's going on here? Mom, when you're having that moment that you're wondering, if you're, when you're questioning your child's sanity, is that a bummer or is that awesome? That's a bummer. Gosh, another bummer. Well, we're just tied up here, right? Another bummer. All right. Okay, now let me just take a minute or two and do my best to, to at least as I understand this, explain it. Um, the Bible is actually full, uh, several hundred prophecies of the Messiah, of this king who would come, all right? Now we look back, and because all the prophecies of the New Testament, of course, are of his second coming, very clear to us now. But you realize that even in the Old Testament, uh, the Bible paints a picture of two times this Messiah would come, once, all right, to change our hearts, the second time as a... But it doesn't, it doesn't... It's not clear that it's a first and a second time. But there's two pictures of Messiah. One, you know, when he comes as a humble servant, a suffering servant. A second picture of him as a reigning, glorious king like David who overthrows, known as the son of David, who overthrows, you know, natural, physical enemies, sets up a kingdom. Now, don't vote on this because there is a right or wrong answer to this. But especially in the Old Testament when they were coming up on his first appearance, you'd be tempted to think, well, the Bible would be chock full of prophecies of that first appearance. That's what you'd think. And of course, if God let let, uh, us write the Bible, we could have made it so much much clearer. But you know that even in the Old Testament, 80%, actually a little bit over that, over 80% of the prophecies of the Messiah are of him being the glorious king. 80%. And the other, the, the prophecies like in Isaiah, which are perfectly... I mean, the clearest picture we have of Christ on the cross is from Isaiah from hundreds of years. It's one of those prophecies. But what did the people do? What did the Jewish people do when they read those? The same thing you do when you read parts of the Bible that you don't like. You just keep going on to the happy parts, right? They just kind of page through those, all right? Not necessarily automatically identifying that with the Messiah. But these other pictures were perfectly clear, He's going to be a king. He's going to overthrow governments. He's going he's to set up God's righteous rule on the earth, which, by the way, just in case you don't know this, he's going to do that. He really is. That, that day is coming, right? But when you look back at this, and sometimes if you don't get that, you, think, you look back at those religious leaders, and you think, well, how? Those guys are just a bunch of idiots, you know, why, why didn't they just all fall down at Jesus' feet? Well, they all had grown up with the same, learning the same things. This glorious king is going to come. So yeah, it didn't quite fit their picture. And I got to be honest, I think Mary had the same understanding. That's all she would have ever been taught. That's all she would have ever been told. Below here, you see, this is a little snippet from when the angel appeared to Mary before Jesus, you know, was ever born. With the angels appearing to Mary to explain to her, What's about to happen, this is a little piece of what the angel says to Mary. Speaking of Christ, he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. How do you suppose Mary interpreted that? Now we look at that and say, yeah, that's Jesus. Yeah, he's reigning over the world. He's the savior of the world. We get it. How did Mary interpret? How did Mary think when she read that, he's going to, He's going to reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. She put that in the same category of every sermon about the Messiah she had ever heard and thought, yeah, he's going to rule. So it isn't that hard to understand when he went out in his ministry and even when the, the crowds wanted to, to force him to, to make him their king, he, he, he fled that. Any, anything to do with public reigning, he had nothing to do with. He had come the first time to change our hearts. Yeah, he came to change the world, but the first time he came to give us an opportunity to to change inside. This, his first advent was all about our hearts, our souls, our our inner lives, that we would receive him and change him. Yes, he is coming that second time, but I'm just saying all that to say, I don't think Mary was a nut. I think that she just fit, you know, she, she put everything into that category. All right, have we, we have already, we've, we've already scored this one, right? All right, I think so. All right, so let's move on from here. The next event, now this next time that when Mary uh, shows up, she's not actually showing up physically, she's just being mentioned. During the life of Christ, the people are talking about Jesus and Mary gets mentioned. Now, let me just say this. If you know anything about Jewish culture, especially 2,000 years ago, it was a very male-dominated society, all right, and especially their literature, there's only one possible way For them to be saying this when they're referring to Jesus, they're saying, Isn't this the carpenter talking about Jesus? Isn't this Mary's son? Now, if you remember the last scenario, uh, that was the second time that the family had shown up without Joseph, this one makes it perfectly clear. There's only one possible way they're referring to Jesus as Mary's son and not Joseph's son. Joseph isn't there. That's, that's, That's how it works. He's dead, he's gone. Now, Mary's still relatively young right? And there's just no way around this. Joseph died. Joseph did not die an old man, right? Now, how does that fit into our category? How does that fit into our thinking of a favored one? See, so often, well, that doesn't happen to favored ones. Things like that don't happen. When God is with you, everything's awesome. All right, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I don't know if I need a whole lot of help voting on this one, um, but uh, your spouse is no longer with you. Is that a bummer or is that awesome? Is that a, not a bummer? In, in a way that... Now again, how does that fit into our thinking of a favored one? God is with us. Far too often, I think that we, we we take these scriptures, these promises that give us so much confidence that God's going to work all things together for our good. What an amazing promise! And we liken that to a trip on the Polar Express. You guys seen the movie The Polar Express? It is. It's an awesome movie. But we think, well, if God's working everything to our good, that means that, well, just like the Polar Express, there, there's actual peril. You know, I mean, there's there's dangerous scenes where you're going really fast down a grade or sliding on the ice, but everything always works out it's always five minutes to midnight if you remember this scene where the conductor played by tom hanks is saying oh we're late it's five minutes to midnight and the little kid who's a know-it-all says hey what gives it was five minutes to midnight four minutes ago i did that pretty good right i got his glasses on too i for some reason, I play a nerd really well. <laughs> and the conductor says, exactly. Well, the whole point that they're making is that, that yeah, there's, there's peril, but it's all imaginary. This is magic. And we always make it on time. And it's all going to be awesome. Now, in a certain way, there is a parallel because, again, God tells us that he works all things together for our good. But friends, God isn't saying your life's going to be magic. It's not going to be magic. Our danger is real. People actually die, right? God didn't say everything was going to be good. He says he's going to work things together for our good. And if we will have the confidence and the trust just to walk with him, to trust him, to stick with him, we're going to watch him turn things that seem awful together for good. Let me just share with you quickly what is the abiding theory of what happened to Joseph. Now again, we're, we're theorizing here, can't prove this, but it, it's the only one that I've read that has scriptural basis to it. This is the most common theory of why Joseph is no longer in the scene. Well, the only biblical basis we have is the last time we see Joseph is Jesus is 12 years old. Now picture it now, he's 12 years old. They When they find him, remember Jesus's words. Why were you looking for me? didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? He's 12 years old, and at age 12, in order for him to do his father's business, he had to be apart from the family for three days. Now, the theory is that it's not that Joseph is a bad father. It's not that he's too bad. It's that he's too good. I mean, you've got to know this. When God sent Gabriel to, to announce the news of the Messiah, he didn't say to Gabriel, just pick any couple you want. As long as they're Jews, just just go pick a couple. doesn't matter. No, he obviously sent them, and these were handpicked, and it wasn't just Mary, it was Joseph that was handpicked to, to raise the humanity of Christ, to, for him to understand how this world works. How many think that Joseph was probably an amazing dad? Yeah, well, now all of us need to have, you know, to gain some separation from our parents and to learn to rely on God. That's something that we all do. And in an interesting way, that can actually be even more challenging when your parents are amazing. I mean, it's, Maybe it's not so hard to separate from your parents if they didn't put a lot of love into you. But if they're full of love, I mean, that's what we need. So parents, don't hear me saying, you know, don't love your child. I mean, keep pouring it in, all right? But the theory is that there came a point Now, we all need to rely on God, but think about Jesus in a sense that none of us have to. Jesus had to be in a position of utterly relying on God's voice, on walking with God, heeding him, following his directions in a sense that none of us ever will. I mean, Joseph's own eternity hangs on Jesus accomplishing that mission. So what I'm saying is what appears to be a bad thing. The bottom line is it was better even for Joseph for him to not be in that picture And God, at some point, somewhere, you know, after that age of 12, takes Joseph home. And it's ultimately better for Joseph. But does it look better? Does it look better to Mary? Does it feel better for Mary that next Christmas? Obviously, she's not calling it Christmas yet when Joseph's not there. No, I don't think so. Did it feel better for Jesus? I don't think so. All right? By the way, have we voted this one? Have we we scored this one? Um, when I ask these things, I actually have lost track. So I, I lose track a lot, but uh, I hide it well. All right. So at least one thing. When, when things like this happen, I don't know about you, but here's what I tell myself. When, when bad things happen, when I have bummers, especially really bad bummers, here's what I tell myself. Well, okay, that's tough, but at least... Whew, that's tough. But at least it can't get any worse. I think we can read. Uh, Mom, I think it just got worse. Can you imagine that? I mean, you as a mother. Now, obviously, we look back on this and this is our salvation. I mean, he's paying the price for, for our sin, he's taking our punishment, he's taking our place, and so it's a party to us. Well, Mary's there and she's not just watching her son die, she's watching him die on a torture rack. Uh, that the world is probably never equaled again. And again, the Bible's think, I think the Bible's pretty clear that nobody understood. I mean, based on Mary's earlier words, he's out of his mind. Don't don't get, don't think that. Well, she just understood perfectly what? No, she didn't. No, she didn't. Um, interestingly enough, I've probably read this a hundred times. I don't know why, and I don't even know why it blessed me. But as I read it the other day, preparing for this message, it was the first time I ever noticed uh, stood his mother and his mother's sister, that his mother's Mary was there with her sister. Don't know why I noticed that. I don't even know why it blesses me. But apparently, I mean, God doesn't put anything in the scripture for no reason. And apparently God knew that Mary needed somebody there with her. Maybe that blesses me because just a couple of weeks ago, Uh, Raquel put together a party for her mother and Raquel's sister came and for the better part of two weeks I watched them uh, stay, you know, together and just be together and they're just so tight and so close and just as I read that I just had this picture of the two of them just watching one of their children die. Well, I don't think we need a whole lot of help voting on this one, but... um, mothers you're watching your child die which category does this fit in well it seems like our bummers are mounting here and i think you get the point what is the point well the point is god is with us the point is we're the favored ones remember we're the favored ones it's not just Mary. If you're here and, and Christ is real to you, God is real to you, the Bible is perfectly clear. That only have, Salvation is a gift. Faith is a gift. If you perceive God, it's because he has opened your eyes. You are the favored one. We see him because he's revealed himself, not because we've climbed a ladder and proven our powers. We are the favored ones. And we can't allow ourselves to misinterpret this might actually be worth writing down. It certainly is worth remembering. Because life is not a product of your experiences. Life is a product of your interpretation of your experiences. Your end product. Your life, it's not the, it's not the product of just your experiences. It's, it's the product of your interpretation of those. I remember years ago being told by preachers much older than me, Before I ever started the church, I I served for six years as an associate pastor and a youth pastor. I remember being told that, Brian, just get used to this. Very few people are going to stick with you for for their lifetime. And they were talking about people who lived right there with you, not people who moved away or people who live right next to the church, who get saved and become part of the church and are happy. Very few of those people are going to stay with you for their lifetime. And I was like, obviously, you do not understand the power of my ministry. It's not going to happen. But lo and behold, I have not been able to change that scenario. And, and why is it? What were they trying to tell me? What they were trying to tell me, and what is true, is that more often than not, because we want to believe in our, in our faith journey, we want to believe that if God is with me and I'm favored, that everything is going to fit into this category, and what the truth is, is because, because our wagon takes so many bumps, and what they were telling me is, more often than not, before the end, people get bumped off the wagon. doesn't mean they don't still believe in God, but they're just not going to participate. They're, they're no longer going to be, be pushing this down the field. They're just going to kind of watch from afar, because they've just, they've just come to the conclusion that it's just too hard. And what happens, and the, the bummer about that, is you end up missing some things because God usually saves the best wine for last remember the very first you know Jesus, Jesus being Mary kind of poking Jesus out there into ministry and that, that whole story ends with this line that you know the whole the way the world normally does it is they give the best wine up front but you have saved the best for last you guys you guys know that's the way God does things right he saves the best for last so you have to be in the game we guys know that Mary does show up again in the Bible right This is not her last appearance. She shows up one more time. Now, the the scripture I'm about to show you, she's not mentioned, but it's very clear in verses before that on this day, Mary is there. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Everybody say this. Say suddenly. Now, you know what happened after that. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit is poured out. They're filled with the Spirit speaking in other languages. Friends, this is the the center of our message. This is what makes our faith a joy is the spirit of the living God in our hearts. This is why we have joy. This is why God is with us, yes, but not in some odd sense where he's just kind of visiting. He's in us. Mary was there on that day. And going back to my story, what, what is Sad and happens too often is we let these things bump us off the wagon and, and we're not there on that day. How many know this is not the day you want to miss church? This is not the day you want to come home and say, oh, should have been there today. Whew. God, How many recognize in your walk with God, you recognize that God just does things that nobody's, nobody has any control over but himself, that God has some suddenlies in your life. Have you, have you noticed that? He just has some suddenlies where he just shows up and he does something in your life that nobody else can manipulate or control. But you have to be there. You have to show up. You have to be on the team still, trying. And Mary was still, why? Why was Mary still in the game? Because I think she she started, I think, with probably the wrong interpretation of who her son was going to be. But she allowed God to, to filter her interpretation. She allowed God to correct her thinking. She allowed her thoughts to, she was malleable. She, she, was, she allowed God to mold her heart. And if we will do that, if we'll stick with the confidence that God is working things together for my good, even when I don't get it, you're going to end up being there on these days. And God has some suddenlies. He's got some good things. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Friends, I want to wrap this up. I just want to pray for you. But if you're here and you're just one of those who has, and it is, it's a good reason, a good reason to maybe not have a great Christmas, a good reason to not feel favored, a good reason to not feel like God is with me. For heaven's sakes, this is the first Christmas without my spouse. This is the first Christmas without somebody in my family. This is the first Christmas after a divorce, an illness. And you're tempted to believe, I'm not favored. God isn't with me. Friends, it's not true. If you're here and you could just use a little bit of that suddenly, a little bit of the Holy Spirit to fill your heart with just a little bit of faith, a little bit of awareness of God's grace, God's presence, and your life. So you can say, this is gonna be a great Christmas. This is gonna be a great new year because God is with me. Not because of all the events are perfect, because God is with me. And God's working things together for my good. If that's you and you could use a little, little boost in that area, would you just lift your hand right there where you're seated? Say, that's me talking to me. Father, I just want to pray in Jesus' name for every hand that is lifted, that by your amazing grace, you would reveal yourself as their Savior. God, reveal yourself. You are with them. You are with us. Open our eyes, God. We want to walk in faith. We want to interpret our life correctly. And we want to be there for your suddenlies. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody says...